Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm your host, Sean Duffy, along with my co-host for the podcast, but also uh, my partner in life, Rachel Campos-Duffy. Hey, Sean, and hey, everybody who's listening to our podcast. We're glad to be back at our kitchen table to talk to you about an interesting topic, especially in light of everything that's going on with Roe versus Wade. So if you have kids, you know what social media influencer is. Um, That's somebody who or somebody or a group of people who are on social media who have a lot of influence. And one of them is the LeBrant family. Um, If you haven't seen, if you have kids, they probably, you probably do know who they are. They're this gorgeous family. I mean, like literally gorgeous. They have three little kids now and they basically just share their family life with everybody in these cute little videos. Sometimes they're dancing together. They're playing pranks on each other and they sort of just give insight into what it's like to have a gorgeous family, I guess, Sean. (laughs) And, you know, they have a gazillion followers. They have 13 million subscribers to their YouTube channel. And they basically live off of this business of being social media influencers. And again, giving insight into their lives. Well, they made a very interesting decision a few months ago. It turns out that they're, and they're not very political, but it turns out that on the issue of life, they feel very strongly about life. And they decided to put together a movie or a video posted on YouTube. And boy, um, and it was about abortion. And, and it was really, I would say, a very benign way of putting it together. I mean, it was it was super nonjudgmental. Um, well done. I don't know, maybe, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes long. And all hell broke loose, Sean. No, it, it completely did. You've uh, seen, again, the the left wing of social media um, and tech companies lose their minds that this little TikTok family, um, who, again, has done very, very well. They have 13 million followers. They've done very 13 well million on on YouTube, Sean. And I think each of those videos gets, you know, between one and and two million views every time. Um total watched 108 million views. They posted over, you know, 500 videos to their YouTube channel. They also have Instagram. The the dad has 5 million Instagram followers. The mom has 7 million Instagram followers. So they're, they're very popular um, people and had not much, it had, had a lot to lose. 
if this didn't go well and they made that decision anyway to tell their story because abortion is actually a decision that they had to make. Um, uh, Savannah, the mom, was pregnant when she was 19 and decided not um, not to have an abortion, decided to have the baby. And so that's why this issue is close to them. It is. And it goes back to my point. Again, you you have this one viewpoint that comes from a lot of the tech companies. And, and I had mentioned the 13.1 million YouTube followers. Um, and they make their money off of advertisements that are placed onto their YouTube videos. And again, have done very, very well, um, have created a lot of wealth for themselves. By the way, they look like Ken and Barbie. Um, this, yeah, that's totally what they look like. But YouTube decided that they would demonetize this pro-life documentary that they did. So they couldn't make money off the documentary. And I thought it was fascinating that um, that the couple said, you know what, we don't, we, this is not about money. This is if we could save one baby or 10 babies or a hundred babies or a thousand babies off of this video, it was worth it. To be yeah. So, so by the way, by- when they posted the video, they made it clear that they were not going to make money off of it. This was going to go to a pregnancy crisis center that they're very close to. Um, and and still the tech companies demonetized it and with their algorithms made it very hard to find. Remember, these are one of the most popular social media influencers on YouTube. And so here, let's play a clip from the beginning of their of their little um, video about abortion, uh, explaining why they decided to do this and what their purpose is. So as we've been filming this documentary, we've been asked by our friends, by family, by mentors, why are we making this? There's so much at risk. Why are we even making this? Why are we adding flame to an already crazy burning fire? And the answer is just if one baby is saved from this, if one mom chooses to keep her baby from it, then it's all worth it. So that's why they decided to do it. Clearly, they have their own personal story, as I said, um, not only did uh, Savannah, the mom, have a, a, a story of her own you know, crises pregnancy, but it turns out that the dad, um, is it Cole? When his mo- grandmother um, had a crisis pregnancy, so his own mother uh, came into the world, you know, with, you know, somebody who could have, you know, had an abortion or given him up for adoption as well. But it, his his grandmother ended up having his mother and he says, well, I'm here because my grandmother decided to choose life. So that that's why they did this video. And what they did, it was really interesting. It, it Like I said, I think it's very effective, which is exactly why I think social media wanted to and the tech companies and then all the pressure groups, because this is really about pressure groups, um, decided that they want to take it down. They brought in a an obstetrician to sort of talk about what happens in in pregnancies and when for when he believes as a doctor for you know li- when does life begin he also talked about the exceptions because a lot of people will say well we have to do it because it saves mothers lives and he's basically says listen that rarely ever happens where you have to choose between the baby and the mom usually when that happens it's after you know the 22nd well let's play this clip because he explains why you don't you almost never have to choose between the mother and the baby but there's a point to be made about this we need abortion to save women's lives really the vast majority of times that a pregnancy becomes dangerous to a woman with 
many of these conditions. There are a few cases early in pregnancy we can talk about those, but the vast, vast, vast number of these cases occur after 22 weeks when the baby's viable. I have as a pro-life obstetrician gynecologist and almost 10 years of experience in a tertiary medical center. I have terminated, i.e. ended, hundreds of pregnancies to save women's lives. How many babies did I have to deliberately kill in the process? None, not even one. It's called delivery. We're gonna deliver this baby by cesarean section because it would be fast. I can do that within an hour and we're gonna take care of the both of them and we're gonna just have to leave it in God's hands. So he talks about how they can, you know, save the mom by simply going into an emergency C-section um, and deliver the baby. And if the baby survives, you know, then that's God's will, you know, with, with, with the technology we have available. And if the baby doesn't survive, then the baby doesn't survive, but he didn't intentionally kill the baby. And Sean, what's interesting is, I've looked at all the comments and boy, they are, they are, evil people going after these this this you know family just for sharing their story and sharing their point of view and they're not arguing with them on you know for example this point about you know this point that pro-choicers make all the time that we need abortion to save women they're not arguing with them on the fact sean they're simply saying this is we can't we're trying to get you canceled because you equated you know, because they, in the beginning of the film, they show the numbers of people that have died in the Holocaust, the numbers of people who have died in different genocides, like in Rwanda, for example. And then the number of people, babies killed in abortion, which is like, you know, three times the number, 61 million people since um, Roe versus Wade. That is what they're trying to hit them on to go. You invoke the Holocaust. How dare you? And you're, you know, and, and the comments are just i mean so over the top one, one woman saying i'll be dedicating my next abortion to the lebron family f you guys hope you ha never have to deal with your daughters potentially needing one hashtag pro choice and it goes on and on and on from there and you can see sean they want to they just want to financially destroy this family for daring to speak up and i think they're trying to make an example out of them no, they are. And, and and the left does really well at that. If you can make an example out of one person, right, and you can you can cancel them and demonetize them, it's a warning shot to anyone else who might rear their head and speak out on an issue that they're passionate about. That's that's the game of the left. But when you have someone uh, or a couple who's courageous enough to know what's going to come their way, and I'm sure they did, they're, they're, they are tech and social media savvy. They knew what kind of blowback they would get, but they had the courage to stand up and go, we're going to do this video because because we, be we believe in this issue. We believe it's an important issue. We believe we have a platform and we want to share the truth about abortion. And when you talked about the stats, Rachel, they also mentioned how many, so 2000 babies die a day from abortion. I think they mentioned that a hundred um, uh, people die every day from a car crash. They said like a, a, a 1,800 people a day die from heart disease. Um, they kind of named all these things that kill Americans. And the number one killer of Americans is abortion by far. And that yeah. was a CDC stat that they used. You know, when you talked about that obstetrician um, in, in the clip that you played, it's interesting because this he used to be an abortion provider. I think he indicated he had done yeah. uh, 1,200 abortions um, and he's now pro-life. 
And I, this is, I've heard this from Catholic priests all the time. So I'm, I'm sure pastors who are uh, pro-life mention this, but you can put the priority on the life of the mother. The mother's life should be saved over the baby. And I think that's the appropriate mentality, but you can also try to save the baby as well. And that's what he's done. He said, I'm going to save the mother. And, and at the same time, I'm going to try to save the baby as well. Um, and he, to his point, he said, I haven't had to abort one baby. I've ended pregnancies, but I've ended pregnancies in birth. And again, I, I had to, I had to bring the pregnancy, um, to a close with birth because of the health of the mother. And then we did everything we, we could to save, um, this child's life, which is, uh, again, they talk about love. This is a loving, um, thought process, a loving mentality that they have with regard to babies in the womb. And because listen, Rachel, because they have so much reach in social media, the left can't let this get out. The left can't actually let other opinions be heard. We see it not just on the abortion issue. We see this on every issue. They don't want to, they don't want to debate. There's one way of thinking and it's their way. And if you don't agree, you have to be canceled. And yeah. And it it's so important to, to cancel people. It just shows how shallow their arguments are. I mean, I was in politics and you are, you have to, if, if you don't have a good debate um, or a good argument in a, in a debate, you don't want to engage in the debate. But if you're confident in, in your argument and your point of view, you'll debate anybody. Um, and debate is what this country has been based on. You know, we debate, we argue, we fight about issues, and then we vote on them, which was the very crux of the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe v. Wade that said, listen, there's, there's not a constitutional right to abortion. It's not mentioned in the constitution. And so let's let people decide for themselves. Let states decide for themselves um, what's right for them, what meets their morals and values. Uh, let voters make this decision. And you've seen even the dishonesty of, of the, the left in saying that, that you can't have abortions in America any longer because of the Supreme Court's Dobb decision. Not true at all. It's actually going back to the voters, which is where it should have been from the first place. Yeah, I mean... It's just interesting because you make such a great point about debate and and what they want to do is have no debate. I don't see any pro-lifers, by the way, trying to, you know, lobby the social media companies or other companies to silence pro-choice videos. Right. Um, Or pro-choice influencers, pro-lifers. Conservatives don't do that. They believe that their ideas can stand up to debate. And I think probably one of the most effective, it is the most effective thing they did in this video, besides presenting, you know, they always want to present pro-lifers as crazy or, you know, unhinged or people who are, you know, live off the grid or they're Amish. I don't know what they're trying to present. They they have little house in the prairie dresses on with long hair and a bun. Exactly. Like they're Branch Davidians, right? (laughs) Right. This is is a very attractive couple. I think they live in California Um, and and they have a story. They're not just they're not just making pronouncements on abortion. They have a personal experience with choosing life and seeing what unfolds because they did that, which is their beautiful family. But I think the most effective thing they did in this video is they brought in another that the another uh, doctor, this one uh, uh, also a former abortionist, to explain what happens in an abortion. Oftentimes you have to um, dilate the cervix ahead of time because if you try to mechanically dilate the cervix, it can lead to damage to the cervix. Then you just reach in with a 
heavy-duty clamp and grab whatever you can grab, uh, an arm or a leg usually, and as you're pulling it through the cervix, the body's too big, so it's not going to come, and so with enough traction and twisting, the arm or the leg comes off. And you do that until you've got everything you can, and then you have to reach up and try to crush the bigger parts, so like the chest, um, and eventually the head, and then you just bring them out in, in pieces. That was Dr. Kathy Altman. I think a lot of times we talk about abortion, even on the pro-life side, in terms of slogans. And, you know, it's, it's, it's choice, it's life, it's a, it's a fetus, it's a clump of cells. We talk about it, but very rarely do we actually pull the curtain and go, what really is happening in an abortion? And when you hear something like that, Sean, it's it's hard not um, to be jolted, but also to be confused about why those people are so angry that she compared it to that the, this couple in this video compared it to a genocide to um, to murder. I mean, it, it's gruesome stuff. You know, she also mentioned, and uh, right after the uh, clip ended, she also mentioned that when uh, you actually crush the skull, you know you've done that um, because again, the, the the chest and the and the head are too big to come out. When you crush the skull, you know that because all this this brain liquid then seeps brain out. matter, I yeah, mean, it's yeah, it's it's really traumatic. And I think what's interesting, Rachel, is how language sanitizes horrific events. Yes, and if we can just say I'm pro-choice um, and not to your, to your point, pull the curtain back and go, actually, what is this? And if all of America understood what the procedure was and what was happening to a little baby in the womb and that again, you're ripping limbs uh, off and you're crushing chests and skulls. Um, again, I think that more people would be like, listen, that's, that, that's horrific. That I can't be part of a culture that treats a, a, an infant in the womb um, so horrifically, and I, and I think it was the movie Amazing Grace. Um, and this was a this was again about sanitizing horrific events. And I don't want to compare the two, but I'm talking about language and sanitizing. But in the movie Amazing Grace, which is based on oh, it's an amazing movie. And Sean, you shouldn't. It's okay to make that comparison because there's a lot of parallels between the arguments that were used to justify slavery, which is what that movie was about. Um, that book or the original book was about is 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 about the abolitionist movement, the, the arguments used to justify slavery are very similar to the arguments used to justify abortion. But but the elites in the UK um, were were ambi amb ambivalent to slavery. And one of the tactics used was to pull a, a slave ship up near where these elites um, in England were dining. And just the horrific smell off a slave ship um, was enough to get people to rethink how they thought about slavery and and what their position was. And again, if we get people to actually think about what is abortion um, and have a real debate about what it is and, and what it does um, to a baby, what it does to a mom, what it does to our culture, um, and we had a, a truthful debate, I think we'd be way better off. And again, if you're going to vote for something, if you're going to support something, know what you're supporting. Don't support the slogan. But if you want to support Amen. the some procedure of abortion, know what you are supporting. When you say, I, you know, I, I, it's not right for me, but I don't want to take someone else's right away to do this. Know what you're saying 
when you um, when, when you utter those words. And I don't think a lot of people actually understand what happens because, again, the left has been so good at sanitizing the language around abortion and this abortion provider. And you can tell there's a sadness when she talks about what she had done, but talks yeah, about what you, you what feel actually it, happens right? in the second trimester um, of an abortion. And that's not even to say what happens in the third trimester, the late term abortions, what happens there. Wait right there. We'll have more of this conversation next. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Oh God, so much. My brain is exploding with stuff that you just said, Sean. Um, first of all, I did. I felt her sadness. I can't imagine, you know, living on one side of this issue as an abortionist and then seeing the light of what you've accomplished. Now, of course, God's mercy is great. Um, thank God. Um, that it is, but to know and and have to live with knowing what you, um, what 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 you participated in. Um, but but you know, kudos to her. She's using that experience that doctor is um, to allow us to see um, and as you say to desanitize it. You know, you use that expression. I don't believe in abortion. I, I wouldn't have an abortion myself, but I don't want to stop other people from being able to have an abortion. You hear that all the time. That argument was used all the time. Um, if you go back and look at the slavery um, debate in America and in England, um, lots of people didn't own slaves, would never want to own a slave, had a moral um, issue with owning slaves, but said, who am I to interfere with somebody else who wants to own a slave? And again, going back to these issues, once you dehumanize someone, once you say this person is not fully human, uh, you can justify doing anything to them. Those were the arguments used by the Nazis. Those were the arguments used to justify slavery, that black men and women and their children were not fully human. And that's the same argument used in the abortion debate, that a fetus is not fully human. And if you can if you can make that case and believe it, you can justify so much. And what's interesting and another interesting parallel in slavery and in abortion is that, you know, very powerful people profited from separating children from their parents. In the case of slavery, it's, you know, when you read the accounts of slavery, um, which are, you know, we, we ought to, um, it's part of our history and it's one of the ugliest things that ever happened in our country. Um, you know, one of the saddest things for me when I when I read the accounts of, say, Frederick Douglass is when, you know, he was separated from his mom um, and and then he was as a baby sent to his grandmother who was retired um, slave who lived on the on the plantation property. 
But at a certain age, I think at five or six years old, his mother, his grandmother had to walk him back to the master's, you know, uh, house and, and, and leave him there. And he was separated from his mother and then separated from a grandmother who had been loving on him for six years. Um, it is just the most heartbreaking thing. Um, and it's the same thing here. Somebody is profiting from separating a child from its mother and father. And so these are these are fascinating um, parallels, but we're, we're living in, in fascinating times, Sean. I mean, you were part of a group in Congress who took the undercover videos of the sale of baby body parts and 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 tried to do a hearing um, in in the U.S. Congress to to, again, bring light um, to, to what is actually happening in this industry. We had a, we had a, um, a select committee impaneled to investigate the sale and profit of baby body parts. And um, it was, it, it's real that you have the preservation of certain body parts that can be sold um, into research across the country and massive amounts of money are being made off aborted babies. And we looked at China and, and, and think about the Uyghurs who are having their own um, bodies and organs harvested for the use of someone else. The same thing uh, with abortion is being done here in America, and we think it's horrific in China. Then it should be horrific here as well. And, and these hearings went a long way to expose what was happening in this industry and, and who was profiting, whether it was Planned Parenthood, there were stand-up companies um, that facilitated the sales, but then universities, public universities that, that were then buying these body parts for experimentation and research. Um, but yeah, I mean, God bless the, the, you, you and, and, um, and, uh, Senator Blackburn. Yes. Yeah. All of you who brought house. that to life, uh, to light, and especially the center for medical progress who did those undercover, they did these undercover videos, which by the way, also showed that, you know, some, some there was a premium if you could harvest the organs while the, while the, the while the fetus, the baby was still alive. So uh, there were in, in the undercover just, videos, there were, uh, you know, abortion employees who testified to having been part of the live vivisection to harvest a, a baby's brain while it was still alive. I mean, this is gruesome just, stuff. You know, Rachel, you, you mentioned Frederick Douglass, and we've been talking about the kind of the politics of the language and the debate. Um, Brian Kilmeade, I, I just, I, I love him as an author. I love him on Fox and Friends. I love his Saturday night show, but he wrote a great He's book an awesome guy. about Lincoln and Douglas. Um, and I'm like, I've asked him, do you write your own books, Brian? And he, he, he actually does. And he brings history alive. But in his book on Lincoln and Douglas, he, he talks about the politics um, between these two men on slavery. And Lincoln was moving way too slow for Douglas. I mean, Douglas was a slave himself who got to freedom and was a major force in driving the conversation for uh, for the abolitionist movement. And Lincoln understood that the, the that the country wasn't there yet. He understood the politics of the day and how far he could go. He was anti-slavery, but could only go so far as uh, as the president as the country would allow him. And the debate that was happening at the time and and the interplay between those two men it's fascinating to go back. Uh, through Brian Kilmeade and, and, and read that. I love the book. Um, I recommend it for everyone's reading. But kind of to move the conversation forward, Rachel, what I loved, um, what the LeBrants did in their pro-life video is they they talk about abortion. They brought in the abortionists, which we just mentioned. But then they also talk about love and how do you support people um, or a woman who has an unplanned pregnancy and they recognize the fear 
of you know how you know how am I going to pay for the baby? How am I going to get diapers? Where you am know, I going to live for food? some women as well? I mean, what happens well, to what happens and the to pressure my own they're under, Sean? That I have, and you have to recognize the fear that comes with an unplanned pregnancy. And if you don't recognize that, it is it is a very fearful experience. Um, and I think what it is is you're afraid of the unknown. You're afraid of what's going to happen to you. And um, I think in those circumstances, there is a there's a there's a there's a little bit of faith that has to come into play. You have to you're on the diving board, and can you jump off? Do you have faith that that God will take care of you, that there's people out there, good people that and organizations that will help support you if you choose life. Is there other options like adoption that you have? It is a, it is a leap of faith for life and love that a mom takes who is in this crisis point. Um, but again, I think that they recognize that in the video, I think is really powerful because you can't just, you can't just sit back and go, this is a really easy decision and choose life. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's hard. It's complicated. It's you're, you're fearful as you go through that circumstance is, is your boyfriend um, or your husband pressuring you, you to do it or, or your parents could right. be pressuring you. Are they walking away? They talked about maybe, maybe, maybe your parents don't know that little Susie was having sex with little Johnny. And right. that's a fearful thing to talk about. And, and um, it's easier or so they say easier to just get rid of the problem, which actually is never getting rid of the problem. No, it just creates a whole new set of problems. It's interesting because this the Savannah spoke about that pressure that she was under from a firsthand point of view. You know, 80 percent of women who have had abortions say that they wouldn't have done it if they had had support, whether it was from their parents, their friends, their family. The, the, the person who got them pregnant um, usually is the one who is, um, you know, walking away from the responsibility. And that's really hard. And so there's a role for so many people um, in this. And it's it's crisis pregnancy centers like the one they highlighted. That was so wonderful. The organization that they highlighted. Sean, can you see if you can find the name of that of that organization? I'm going to I'm going to look for it while we're talking here. Um, But it was a great organization that, you know, um, works through churches because, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, Christian girls um, uh, are not exempt <laughs> from these situations. They happen well, to everybody. Listen. And the abortion rate within the, you know, church, you know, people who consider themselves church going and those outside is not much different. And so she wanted to create a a a program that could be duplicated across the country and all kinds of churches so that when girls found themselves in uh, or women found themselves in a crisis pregnancy situation, the first place they would go to would be a, you know, this organization that, that, that she started, but those organizations, there's many across the country. There's many resources even offered in Pennsylvania. For example, there's a group called real alternatives um, and it actually funds all these crisis pregnancy centers with state and federal dollars um, across the state of Pennsylvania. Um, but but again, Sean, you 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 highlighted the, the stress that women are under and and understanding that what they need and what they really want. If you, you look at the statistics on it, they don't want abortion. What they want is love and support. Because it's, it's, I think it's antithetical to, you know, human beings to, to kill their babies. And if they have a choice, if they have someone or an organization that will support them, 
um, to, to, to say, listen, we'll help you get through this. You're going to be okay. Um, you can still have your hopes and dreams and your baby. And, you know, we're, we're going to help you financially. We're going to help you with, you know, again, the food, the clothes, the car seat. I, I, I think it, th that's imperative. And I talk about this a lot, Rachel, and so do you. I, I look at politics and we all care about the president because, by, by the way, Joe Biden has been so bad for America. The policies Horrible. are so bad for America. We focus on that. We focus on the Senate. We focus on the House. And those are really important because big decisions are made there. Supreme Court um, nominees are confirmed by the Senate and nominated by the president. It matters. But the most, the most control, the, the most say that we have is in our own families and our own lives. And so for us, we say, listen, let's save our own families. And if every conservative saved their own family, made sure that the left didn't get their kids. And we have this in our own family on the kind of how we've learned through the education system on where we're going to make sure that we've, I mean, you, you love your kids like nothing else. I'm going to make sure they're, they're, they're not consumed by the left. So I'm going to send them to institutions that support the values um, that we believe in, but also where the left um, hasn't, it doesn't have control and doesn't, you know, use this professionalized way of indoctrinating young people. We're going to send them to good schools that educate them. The same thing is true in this space. You can look to your own community. Is there, and oftentimes we don't see someone who's going through that, that pain and struggle of an unplanned pregnancy, but there are facilities, you know, whether they're in your county or in the neighboring county that provide, you know, crisis pregnancy services. Do you volunteer? Do you give money um, to those crisis uh, pregnancy centers? If you've, if you've had, you know, kids, do you donate your, and we have to do a better job of this too. We've had so many kids, Rachel. Because sure I keep having listen. kids, so I keep having to reuse the stuff, Sean. I know, Sean. <laughs> but do, do, yeah, <laughs> I know what do, you're saying. The used baby clothes. Have a big, I have I, a that's car not seat. True. I did in, when we lived in Wisconsin. I donated um, before we moved to Jersey. I donated um, a lot of you know swings and things that I knew I didn't want to bring back um, to the crisis pregnancy center. But also, Sean, what are you telling your own daughters? So just recently, I had a conversation with our daughter, who's 18, who has a boyfriend. And I said, obviously, I hope you're not having sex because you shouldn't be having sex outside of marriage. But I want you to know that if you and by the way, now that I think of it, it was around. We watched this video together from the LeBrants. And after that, watching that video, I said to her, I said, obviously, I don't want you to have sex before marriage, but I want you to know that if you were ever to get pregnant, I never want you to be afraid to tell me. I want you to know that I will help you, that you will never have to feel like you're trapped because I will be there for you and I will always help you. And I said that to her. And if more parents said that and meant, meant it, um, I think we'd have a lot less girls that are scared to death because it is scary. Listen, it's scary to have a baby when you're married and, and have a husband to support you. To, do, to take this on is not easy. It is a leap of faith, as you said, Sean, but with unplanned pregnancies comes so much unplanned joy. And they talked about this in this little movie. He talked about because my grandmother made this choice, because my wife made that choice when she was 19 to have that baby, then we ended up having a family. And now we have all these kids and we have our family. And he talked about, you know, the need for men to step up that, you know, abortion, Sean, has been such a scapegoat for men. It has made it easy because they could say the whole rhetoric on the abortion side is it's a woman's choice. Well, I guess that means 
he's not involved in the decision when actually the guy who got you pregnant should be taking responsibility and taking care of you in every way, shape, form, financially, spiritually, socially, uh, psychologically, emotionally. Um, and he talked about that. I think, you know, actually is what he thinks should happen, but they were accusing this couple of, and him in particular of mansplaining or something. They tried some feminist thing to tear down this video. Not true at all. I think what he said was beautiful. Listen. It's already hard enough as is for a mom to do this, let alone being alone. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like as men, we need to step up. We need to rise to the occasion whenever something that maybe seems unfortunate and difficult at the time could come to be one of the greatest blessings in your life. So true. And, and when he talks about the blessing, there's, a, there's another um, segment where he talks to a, a, a woman who had an unplanned pregnancy the the boyfriend who she loved walked away and said you deal with it um i'm completely out and she went to planned parenthood was given a pill sent home um she took a the chemical pill. abortion essentially yep. which 40 percent of all abortions are are done that way sean and she um something came out so she thought she had aborted the baby and three months later she wasn't feeling normal she felt like things were going on in her body and so she went to the doctor and to see what was going on and um she explained her history and he said well you have a five-month-old baby um and she had the baby and talked about how joyful she was that she had this beautiful healthy little baby and she was afraid that the, the that the attempt of a chemical abortion would have somehow you know affected the baby and it didn't beautiful little child she calls it a a blessing from god that she has this child um, that she was able to give life to that the abortion um, pill didn't actually. Take. Oh, she was so grateful. She said she she was so, so grateful that it didn't work. And she was so ashamed when she helped me. By the way, that was like the cutest baby ever. Like it this baby that she was holding. Adorable. Oh, my God. It was just she was just so beautiful, this baby. And, you know, she's holding this baby and going, oh, my gosh. Now she knows um, she'll know forever that she just was she was meant to be here. I mean, it didn't work. And so it's just, um, again, I think what this, what this couple did, um, is dangerous for the pro choice movement for the pro abortion movement because they humanized it. It was personal to them, to both of them. Um, they presented their arguments in a very non-judgmental, I felt accurate and loving way. And I could see if a lot of young women in particular, but young people in general saw this video, it would cause them to think it would cause them to pause because right now on social media, what they're getting is a lot of sloganeering. Like we talked about a lot of virtue signaling and just trying to fit in with the Hollywood crowd. That's, you know, and the and the pro-choice crowd that dominates our culture and makes people feel like, you know, if to fit in, you have to be on this side of the argument, on their side of the argument. And suddenly you watch this video and you're like, wow, this is, uh, I could see how it's effective. I could see, Sean, why social media had to show it down, shut it down. What I can't understand is how they could justify demonetizing it. On what grounds? We'll be back with much more after this. 
Since the 1970s, working-class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80% of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5,000%. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. It's a threat to the narrative of the left. And obviously these social com social media companies are based in you know radical liberal San Francisco. They don't fit your values and you think they're a platform for everyone to use. And they're, they're really not. They're a platform for the left. And if they disagree with you, they they take you off. But what's what is frightening to the left is the courage um, for one, you know, influential family to stand up for life. They they want to punish you. You said this at the start of our podcast, Rachel. They want to punish you so no one else will dare speak out on an issue that the left disagrees yeah. with. And I think when one I, I see this all the time when one person has courage to stand up and speak the truth, it actually gives other people courage to speak the truth and courage is contagious. Um, and you see it in this space. They don't, they don't want the courage of the life movement to be contagious. They want to shut it down because again, on the debate side, the truth will side with life. And what, what, what gets me is that the, 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 the Democrats, when, by the way, this has been a movement of the Democrat party because they have tried to eradicate anyone out of their party who is pro-choice. Mm -hmm. um, Dan Lipinski, the last congressman from Illinois who was pro-life, they, they took him out in the, in the last election. Great guy, great pro-lifer. I love, love the man to death. Good Catholic man. They took him out because he was pro-life. You know, it's, it's, it, they, they can't allow the argument to stand. They can't allow the debate to, to be engaged in. They have to eradicate it. And um, again, if more people will speak out, um, I think the more contagious this becomes. Just the one, one point I want to make, Rachel, on on Democrats. There used to be a time when they said, what was Hillary Clinton or Bill Clinton, um, safe, rare, but legal was, was the phrase I think they used to use. But they mm -hmm. understood the old school Democrats of the, the 80s and the 90s, how this was, this was not to be celebrated. This was actually a tragic event. They wanted it legal. They wanted it safe and they wanted it rare. That has morphed now into a celebration of, of shout abortion. your abortion and let's all celebrate it. It's empowering. This is a great thing. And the, 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 the sickness that has taken over the party that would have that viewpoint it is shameful. The pastors, good men that I know that are Democrats, that are pastors in Congress. Well, I, I, I love them. They're, they're, they're really good men. Um, they're friends of mine. But and they, I think they know in their hearts that this is wrong. But to be a Democrat. Um, they can't be pro-life. And again, they let the politics um, supersede, I think, what their faith teaches them. And it's, it's, it's too bad. Um, and I wish if, if you had Democrats, and again, even in the African-American community, and, and our daughter, Evita, did a 
did a uh, thesis paper at the University of Chicago on Margaret Sanger, who is being She's the founder of Planned Parenthood. And it's it is it's minority communities and it's poor communities that the focus of abortion is on. And again, if you don't and the disabled, Sean, and the disabled and and the mentally challenged, the special needs community. And if we have if, if, if why, why, if you, if you don't have a job that pays you $100,000 a year, you make $40,000 a year. Why can't you have the joy of a family? I mean, the, the, you've seen you've seen families and family values in the poorest parts of the country. And it's the joy that comes from families and kids. What's the purpose of love? What's the purpose of life? And you should be able to experience that as a human being, no matter how much you make. But to think that um, only the, the rich or the elites should be having babies but if you're a minority or you're poor, you should be aborting them. How sick is that thought process, which permeates the Democrat Party? Do you remember, Sean, when Janet Yellen was in a hearing with with Senator Tim Scott? I, I, I do. And Tim Scott absolutely so, obliterated her. Yeah. So so Janet Yellen um, in the hearing basically says, you know, w- women in poverty need abortion. And Tim Scott stood up or was in his his hearing and and spoke up and said, my mom was a single mom who grew up in poverty and got pregnant with me. And, you know, basically, I I don't remember exactly the words, but, you know, shamed her. Really? I mean, what? Like exactly what you said. Why? Poor people aren't allowed to should not be able to have a family, should not be able to have a child. Is Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott's life any less valuable than the life of somebody from a rich family? Of course not. Um, Is the life of Valentina, our ninth child, any less valuable, um, who who has Down syndrome, by the way, than the lives of our other children? Um, There is absolutely a genocide against um, the Down syndrome community. There's no question about it. 80 to 90 percent of all um, diagnoses of, of Down syndrome are and an abortion. Um, that's yeah, I mean, a genocide. That's eugenics. The, the Tim Scott moment was was a brilliant moment to say, that, again, all, all life matters. And the joy of bringing a baby into the world um, is joyful, whether you make a lot of money or not. Um, yes. And that, that, that's not relevant to the joy, the human joy that happens of, of having a child um, and rearing a child. Senator Rick Scott from Florida um, you, you hear his story. He's, he's done. I mean, the, the guy he's is amazing too. fantastically wealthy. He was, I mean, he was in public, public housing on food stamps. He, he was born and raised in one of the poorest families in the communities in which they live. Can they moved all over the place? Really, really poor, but he worked really, really hard. And he's been a, an amazing success story. So to say that you can't, I mean, you, he, that, if you have some poverty in your life that you shouldn't have this joy is actually it's a sickness in the Democrat Party. And again, as I it's look a at sickness podcast, in our culture, Sean, it's a sickness in our culture and any culture that could reject a uplifting, informative, truly nonjudgmental film like the LeBrant family put together. Um, it says more about our culture than it does about the LeBrant family. By the way, you can support the LeBrant family by subscribing to their YouTube channel. I mean, that's one way you can you can vote with your feet and let them know, because, by the way, they, they lost some followers. They had a lot of lies um, and, and misinformation spread about them in order to punish them economically and otherwise reputationally for putting out um, the truth about abortion and about life. 
And so, you know, you can subscribe to them and you can, you have to do a little bit of search, but if you put in LeBrant, L-A, capital B-R-A-N-T, family, um, and then abortion, you can, you know, try to find that film. The, the algorithms are suppressing it. I know if you go to The Federalist um, and put that in, they put the video up on their site. There are other places. You got to look for it. That's what's so sad. It's not going to pop up on your feed um, the way other, you know, horrible things are popping up in your kids' feeds all the time. The social media pajama boy tyrants have made sure that 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 this video certainly won't <laughs> pop up on your kids feeds and they are they are little pajama boy tyrants you're exactly right rachel that run these social media algorithms and as kind of we we wrap this up i'm just i'm thankful to donald trump who for the first time as he was running for president said i'm going to appoint pro-life justices to the court that had never been said before and he actually delivered on that and we've seen the overturning of roe v wade through the dobbs decision they gave the right back to states, gave the right to voters. So thank you to Donald Trump and thank you to justices who have been protested. You know, attempts on their lives have been made. The, the Department of Justice uh, hasn't enforced the law. Merrick Garland, Garland, shame on you. They haven't enforced the law, but these justices have stern, stern, uh, stood firm for the Constitution and for democracy to let people have a say in this really important and divisive issue, which is how you make things less divisive is when people get a vote on things, they get a debate, right. argue, and then vote. So thank you to Trump. Thank you to the court. But as, as we look internally, courage matters. And again, the LeBron family, thanks for having the courage they to stand did. up and put a video out like this. Courage does beget more courage. And for us, I do think that every day we, we, we engage in the national politics, but this is really simple. Focus at home. We all have huge influences in our own home lives, in our own home communities. We can make a difference more so than national politics, you know, with, with the crisis pregnancy center in our county, you know, in our community, give to them or donate your time to them. Give your, give, if you have, you know, baby clothes or baby car seats, give it to them. They'll be reused um, and raise good kids. Talk about this issue with them. And uh, Rachel, I love you. By the way, I was like, what you talked to our daughter? I wasn't there for that I conversation. Did. And I did. I did. And and God forbid that she would be having sex. I hope that's not happening. I hope we raised her differently <laughs> than that. <laughs> but with that said, I do think it's an important conversation to say yes. if that was happening and you did have this situation. I think a lot of parents would say, "Well, of course she's not doing that, right?" Well, sometimes we don't know what our kids are doing. Um, maybe that's the point with our own. Daughter. Or they would say, of course, I would be there to help them. But the child, the, the, the teen, the young teen doesn't know that the young doesn't. teen is shamed, is scared, is stressed. By the way, hormones, all this stuff is happening or, or they're getting pressured by their boyfriend or just sort of, you know, that lie that you have to, you know, if you get pregnant in college or high school, the world tells you that you have to choose between your baby and your dreams. And that's not true. It's, it's, it's the biggest lie. I mean, you think about Satan and the lies that Satan tells, that's probably one of the biggest lies Satan tells, you know, women and girls is that you have to choose between the life of your child and your dreams, and you can have both. And, 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 and you can, and, and there are resources out there. And that's why I'm so glad um, it was called embrace grace, 
was the name of that crisis center. But there are there are centers across the country that will help you if your family is not able to help you. And I, I'm glad you brought up Donald Trump, Sean. I know we got to get going here, but I do want. I mean, you're right. It starts at the home. It starts in your community. It does. But it, and this issue in particular. One man made the whole difference when he was running. He said something that no one dared say, not even Ronald Reagan or George Bush. Nobody dared say I am only appointing pro-life constitutional justices. And that's what he did. Um, I remember when he was in in the primary and I had um, pro-life uh activists calling me from across the country. Um, they knew that I was supporting Donald Trump in this, um, in the primary. And they were like, are you sure we should take a chance on this guy? Like this issue we've been working for so long. We've been toiling, um, as activists peacefully trying to change, you know, the culture and the politics around this issue. And I just said, I, I don't know. I just have a feeling about this guy. And boy, did we all turn out to be right. I mean, no one could have done this. He did it. And of course, God did it, too, because, you know, those openings popped up. And if you think that the left is mad, was mad at Donald Trump when he was president. Oh, boy. Um, they they are furious at him um, now because the fruits of those appointments um, has resulted in the overturning of this decision and sending it back to the states and and the work is just beginning for the pro-life community. Now now we're going to see what the pro-life community is really made of. Are they going to step up, especially in those states that are are likely to ban um, abortion in their states or put really you know strict um, limitations on it? That means that pro-lifers and the states themselves are going to have to step up and provide um, that help that that women need. And um, so anyway, I'm so I, Rachel, glad we could highlight I, this family shot. Go can, ahead. Can I just say one last thing? It, sure. it makes me think of when you when, that that the belly laugh that God must have at <laughs> what he's done to go. I'm the 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 most pro-life president you're going to have is going to be Donald Trump. Who would have like, thought? Oh, 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 who would have thought? <laughs> You know that again. He has not. I mean, he he has led a unique lifestyle. He's been in the public square. Um, he's been a Democrat. He's he's been pro. Sean, that's so funny been, what you just said. Do you know what I was thinking as you just said that? Remember when we used to watch The Apprentice? If somebody had said to me while we were watching The Apprentice, that guy is going to make sure that over Roe versus Wade is overturned. I mean, and we again, could have never believed that. Never believe, and again, it's like the the humor that that God has to go. Yes, and He sends He sends unique 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 people to do unique things at unique times, and this is one of those that I think the pro life movement movement is a bit in shock to go. Not yet, not Ronald Reagan, not you know evangelicals, you know the Bushes. It wasn't going to be Ted Cruz. <laughs> I was going to be Donald Trump, Trump is the one who actually did this, and the humor that 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 surrounds that is fan, fantastical. And you know how he works in mysterious you know ways is amazing to me. And he did it here. And again, to your point, Rachel, this now goes back to the states and the pro life community and engaging in the honesty of abortion, the honesty of the debate. And and it's our job to make sure it's not sanitized anymore. Let's talk about yeah. what it is. What and does. let's talk about love and help and support and wrapping our arms around um, mothers, those new mamas, those new moms um, who just and, and those babies who just want a chance to live. So anyway, great conversation. Kudos to the LeBrand family. I always thought they were cute. I, I always saw the videos with our kids, 
showing us all their little videos. Um, and, and now, now I'm fans because that takes a lot of courage and, um, and, and, and what they did was, was, was and, remarkable and, and people should support them. And as we wrap up here too, yesterday's podcast on, um, on Carlos and Alexa who actually stand up for life. They're in, they're in the culture. And again, they're standing up to say we're pro-life. We're Christians. We're pro-life. Yeah. Again, Hollywood these, actors stepping out. These, this is dangerous to the left. Um, but a really good sign that courage begets courage. And Again, if people who make a lot of money and are exposed to public criticism can do it, so can you. Um, so can so can you, Rachel. So can I. So can all of us stand up and lend our lend our voices to the little babies in the womb who don't have voices, that don't have lobbyists, that don't have money, that don't have a group out there fighting for them. They need someone to fight for them. And so to and so too for their mothers who also need our love and our support and our embrace. So, so true. um Good conversation. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us on uh, this podcast of The Kitchen Table. We wanted to talk about this Dobbs decision and the life issue. And the LeBrants gave us that perfect opportunity with this wonderful documentary. It's 48 minutes long. Check it out. Um, and Rachel, thanks for uh, being a pro-life mother and being a voice uh, for other women and other babies out there. Very grateful. You can say things that I can't say, sadly, in culture. And I appreciate that you do it. Yeah. Well, I've, I'm, I think my proudest moments... Um, with you were when you were on that committee exposing what, what it was. Um, and when you were calling out the Democrats and especially the black caucus um, in, uh, in Congress um, for not standing up for what's clearly um, uh, this industry is targeting African-Americans when you have more um, abortions than live births in the city of New York, um, you know that um, they're being targeted and um, that minorities are being targeted and, and, and abortion clinics are, are, you know, clustered around these, you know, minority neighborhoods, especially black neighborhoods. And so, you know, um, I, I've, I'm very proud of your work in the movement as well and how you used your your platform, your position um, in Congress to stand up, as you said, for people who don't have lobbyists or a voice or a congressman to stand up for them, you lent your voice um, to them in the halls of Congress and in that house chamber. So I, I, I love you for that, that and always will. Thank you. Well, listen, we, we appreciate you again, joining us around our kitchen table, great conversation and a, a, a great, a uh, lot of work to be done moving forward. So uh, we appreciate it. If you like our podcast, you can rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe. Give us a good rating. Yep. We'd appreciate it. And we hope to see you around the kitchen table next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.